You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. I want to talk to you today about the church. What is the church? It's not just a group of people who decided to get together. The church is a living organism, not an organization. A living, vibrant organism, not an organization. Church is meant to be alive with the power and life of God. Amen. Amen. I only have 19 points today. <laughs> I'm not, you think I'm kidding. I don't. I'm not. I have 19 points. I'm going to do my best to get through them quickly. I said I'm going to do my best. That's not a promise. I'm just going to do my best. If I don't finish today, we'll do this next week until I get done with it, Okay. Will you stay with me? Yeah. Stay hooked up with me. We start in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25. And I just call this, what is the church? Well, the church is dot, dot, dot. Okay? What the church is. I went through the New Testament and pulled up every single verse I could find about the church in Paul's teaching, especially in Paul's teaching. I used a few others. Ephesians 5, 25 says, Husbands, love your wives. Miss Ann or Casey, one of you read for me. There's a lot of scripture in this. Lots of scripture. Ephesians 5, 25, read down through verse 27. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. All right. Skip down now to, th- let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 1. We're going to do some Bible study today. Hope, hope you brought your Bible. Read, read it. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.1. What translation do we have up there? The, the Torah's R Us version? Yeah. Yes. Okay. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.1. Would you like to change it, Dr. Holler? That doesn't matter. What is it? There we go. NIV! Ah! <laughs> okay, all right. We're back to the adult version. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.1. <laughs> read on. Paul and... Sylvanus, Sylvanus, and Timotheus, that's why I read the NIV, (laughs) unto the church of Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace from from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Read on. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Verse 4. Knowing, brethren, beloved, you election of God. The first thing, according to these verses of Scripture, the church is a favored member of the royal family. Amen. The church is a favored member of the royal family. You are not one in a million to God. He loves you like, you, like you're the only one around. Right. My wife says, I'm God's favorite. She says, she's God's favorite. I said, yeah, you are. You're God's favorite. Just like the guy that got saved yesterday, he's God's favorite. Right. Hadn't done anything for Jesus yet. He's still God's favorite. Because the church is God's favorite family member. Amen. Amen. You're a royal family member and favored. It's one thing to be a part of a royal family, but it's, it's another thing to be spo spoiled rotten. Yeah. <laughs> it's another thing to be favored in that royal family. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You're not just royal. You're highly favored yeah. of God. The church, God sees the church. His eye is on it and his heart is in it. His eye is on it. The, the Old Testament says his eye is on the house of God yeah. and his heart is in it always. He is always with you, always thinking about you, always planning good things for you. Glory to God. Amen. Let's read 1 Timothy 3, 5, the next one. 1 Timothy 3, 5. Talking about the qualifications of an elder, of a bishop. This is what it says. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Okay. The church is a, is a delicate, high-maintenance baby. Yeah. I, I figured this out. Yeah. <laughs> I've got lots of experience, but I found this out the first 15 minutes of my pastorate. Yeah. First 15 minutes, I figured out this is a baby, high-maintenance baby. Royal member, highly favored, but a high maintenance baby. And you've got to be ready to take care of the church. God looks at the, his church as precious, but not perfect. Precious, but not perfect. Babies are precious, but they're not perfect. Babies that need care, like this says the elders should care for the church. They need to. They need to be cared for in ways that are uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Like in the middle of the night. I had a call one time at night. A woman called me crying, panicking. Oh, Pastor John, Pastor John, can you come to the hospital? We're headed to the hospital right now. I said, who is this? She, she told me who she was. I didn't know her. She said, you know, what was the girl's name? Maria. I'll call her Maria because I think that was her name. <laughs> Maria, you know Maria? I said, yeah. She's bleeding bad. What, what happened? She said, well, we were out drinking. I said, you were drinking with Maria? Church member. Yeah, I will tell you the whole story. So I went down to the hospital in the middle of the night. It was about midnight, one o'clock in the morning. 
I go down there and cops are there in the emergency room waiting to talk to her. I walk in and they say, are you Maria's pastor? And I had doctors and lawyers in my church. I wanted them to know about that. I did. The only member of my church that knew was Maria back there, bleeding from being too drunk. So I had a choice to make. Either say, well, I know her. She comes to church a little bit. She's, been, she's new. No, I just said, yeah, she's mine. Where is she? Oh, amen. That's what I said. Amen. Walked back there. They said, well, we need to talk to her as soon as you're, you're done. She's been calling for you. I said, I know. I'm here. Went back there, and there she was. Beautiful girl, Hispanic girl with a beautiful face. Her whole cheek laid wide open. Laid wide open with a Chinese throwing star. Her ex-husband had done that to her because she threw rocks at his new car. <laughs> he, she saw him, she saw him in, with a new car and a new girlfriend. And she was drunk with her friend. They were riding around talking with her cousin, really. And uh, she got too much to drink. And she was saved, but not perfect. You understand me? Broke, brokenhearted over this. And she went back to her old way of doing things, dealing with things. And uh, I stood there over her for a little while and uh, talked to her and I stroked her head and loved on her and prayed for her, talked sweet to her until she said this. About 15 minutes, I was talking real sweet to her. So it's going to be okay. They know how to minimize the scar, you know, and all that. She looked up and she said, Pastor, I don't know why these things keep happening to me. <laughs> that uncorked the old pastor, I'll tell you. I, didn't, I went from being a pastor to being a prophet of God. I said, let me tell you one thing, little girl. If you stop drinking like a fish, some of these things will stop automatically. She said, you're right, I know that. Now you know why these things happen. Because you do stupid things. I chewed on her for five minutes. I was just almost yelling at her. And I, then after it's over with, I, she got through crying and I got through being mad. I stroked her head and kissed her on the head and I said, you're going to be fine. Call me when you, when you need me. I turned around and walked out. I felt awful that night. Walked out. And when I, they, they just installed these new doors at the emergency room at the hospital, Shannon Memorial in San Angelo. These new doors, and they open up when you walk up to them. You can't see any sensors. You can't see anything. They, just, they have it all hidden. Walk up to the doors, and they just open. You go, how did it know I was here? <laughs> you know, is there somebody watching? I, I didn't know. I thought, all this man-made stuff, this ingenious stuff that they have. And they couldn't fix this. Yeah. I stepped, I looked out, out over the city, big buildings going into the, into the sky. San Angelo has some tall buildings. And I stood there inside that first door looking out there thinking, all this man-made junk, and we can't fix this little girl. Yeah. All this. We can't do anything about her. And I walked into the foyer. The next door opened. 
and I went into revival. I smell a skunk. Ooh. Walked on out. Got outside and looking around. Right there in that city, right in the middle of town, there's a skunk had taken over. He was stinking up the whole town. Ooh. And God said to me, man didn't create that. Man didn't create that. And I put that there to remind you, John. I can go anywhere. I can do anything. It's going to be okay. You put that girl in my hands. I'm going to fix this. I started crying and laughing. I got in my car. I was rejoicing. I went home. I couldn't believe how happy I was. My, my sorrow had been turned into, into, my mourning had been turned, turned into dancing. I got home, I was still in revival, you know, mode. I was shouting and dancing and praising God. Walked into the bedroom, and it woke Ann up. I said, oh, honey, I just had the most wonderful experience. She said, what? I said, well, it's kind of hard to explain. She said, well, what happened? I said, well, I smelled a skunk. (laughs) She said, John, did you stop by the bar? I said, no, no, I didn't. I didn't. I really didn't. She said, go to sleep. We'll talk about it in the morning. <laughs> it's a high-maintenance baby. Uh-huh. <laughs> Remember when somebody hurts your feelings in church, we have, we have really strong, strong people in the church, and we have babies in the church. Everybody understand this? How many of you have been here 10 years or more? How many have been here less than a year? How many have been here less than two years? Less than three years? Less than four years? See, we're here in all stages of life. So we have to be careful that we don't trample on those who are young. All right, let's read the next, next set of scriptures. 1 Corinthians 14, 4. That's, that's 2 of 19. Okay, we're, in, we're on the third one now. Here we go, Casey. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue, read 1 Corinthians 14, 4, and 5. This is a reference to the church. He who speaketh in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Read on. I wish you all spoke in tongues, even, but even more than you, even more than that, you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Skip down to verse 12. Read verse 12. Even so you, since you are zealous for the spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Now I want to go to 1 Timothy 3.15. 1 Timothy 3.15. Now I'll make the point then. It's up here, Casey. But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how... 
thou oughtest believe, behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. The church is a, is a construction project. It's not built completely, not, not fully done. It's a construction project. Not everything is in place yet, but we're getting there. Yeah. Got to remember, got to remember, construction takes time. And it doesn't look all that good when it's done under construction, does it? You don't know what it's going to look like. Unless you're the architect. Unless you're the planner. The builder. If you've seen the pictures, you know what it's going to look like. But if you just drive by, you think, wow. Hope they don't leave it like that. But the church is under construction right now. Amen. That's enough said. It's a construction project. Read Acts 20, 28. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Purchased with his own blood, that means it was expensive. And what happens in the, in the church? They get fed. Amen. Amen. The church is a high-priced restaurant. <laughs> It is. It is. It was last night. How many were at the Valentine's banquet? It cost $50 to eat at that place. And it was awesome. It was awesome, too. Worth it. Worth every nickel. But this is where the real, real feeding takes place in the church. A high-priced church, a high-priced restaurant because it was purchased with the blood of Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. 1 Corinthians 12, 28. 1 Corinthians 12, 28. I'm going to move quickly through some of these. High-priced restaurant. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. The church is a gift shop. Amen. You come to get empowered with gifts from God. Amen. Amen. I operate in the gifts sometimes. And I got it at church. I got it at church. I've been around it at church. Watching it happen in church. I never would have prophesied once if I hadn't been in church. Are you hearing me? The church is where the gifts flow and are exhibited. And you receive them in church most of the time. The church is a gift shop. Amen. That's what they said right here. It's a place where God deposits the gifts and spreads them around the body of Christ. Don't be surprised when you hear somebody speak in tongues. Hear somebody prophesy like we had this morning. It's shocking sometimes if you're not used to it. But we do it, we do it, we do it on purpose. Not, not to shock anybody, but just because it's in the Bible. It's a, it's a normal function of the church. To be a gifted church. Are you hearing me? If a church is not gifted and not flowing in the gifts, it's not really a church. It's something more like the the Lions Club or the Rotary Club. That's the truth. It's a gift shop. The church is a gift shop, glory to God. Now let's read Acts 2, 
Verse 47, Acts 2, 47. I know we're all over the Bible today, but we're just looking at the church. What is a church? Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. The church is a high-yield investment. A high-yield investment, the church is. It's a good place to put your money. Amen. You missed a really good opportunity to say amen. <laughs> I said it's a good place to put your money. Yes. Got a few more that time. I said it's a good place to put your money. Amen. It's a high-yield investment, glory to God. Yes. All right, thank you for the help. That help. Sometimes I need, a little, I need a little help, a little encouragement. Acts eleven twenty six. Acts eleven twenty six. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that the whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And and with the church and taught. With the church and taught. This is talking about Barnabas finding Saul, the Saul of Tarsus. Y'all know him as the Apostle Paul. And the disciples were called what? First in Antioch. I wonder if it had anything to do with how well they were taught. Amen. They were called Christians first there because they were taught. They were taught. That's why I'm teaching you today. I want the world to know you're Christians. Read 1 Corinthians 4, 17. 1 Corinthians 4, 17. For this cause I have sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Now 1 Corinthians 14, 19. Let's read that one. A lot of verses about this being taught in the church. Yet in the church I had rather speak five words with my understanding than by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Ephesians 3 and 10. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Okay, so this tells us that the church is an exemplary school. The church is a school, an exemplary school. This is why I teach you these things like this one. That's why, why we have on Wednesday nights oftentimes our young guys speaking. They're in training. I had a young man call me one time. I, I used to teach uh, preachers how to preach in my office. Now I teach them from around the world. They come, up, come, to, my, come to my campus all over the world and I teach them. I don't have to travel the world, it's, the world's traveling to me, glory to God. Amen. I had, uh, I'm like Branson, you know, those, those, those entertainers that used to have to travel all the time, now they just stay in one spot and people come to them. That's right. I uh, was driving up the highway one time after I was teaching at CFNI, had a guy, young pastor call me who, who used to be with me in San Angelo, Texas. I taught him how to preach in my office, him and two or three other guys. That's how I started teaching. 
It's teaching young guys in my office, some young women, too, who wanted to preach. This guy's name was Chris. Chris called me and said, Pastor Holler. That's what he always called me. Pastor Holler. I said, what are you doing, Chris? I said, congratulations. I heard you just got your first church. He said, I did. Just took it a few months ago. I'm really enjoying it. He was in a place called Merkel, Merkel, Texas. Anybody know where Merkel, Texas is? That's the other side of Abilene. A little bitty spot in the road. You know, Frank. He's at the first assembly of God there. I said, hello, what are you doing, Chris? He said, well, I'm sitting here preparing my Sunday message. Well, good. He said, just call to tell you something, Pastor. I have, am a double major at a Santa Angelo State University, and he was real smart. He said, one of my majors is communications. He said, I took every course there was in communications possible on that level, on the bachelor's level. He said, I went to the seminary, the AG seminary in Missouri, he said. I took expository preaching there, exegesis, evangelistic preaching, uh, communications in and outside the church. He said, he named off about six public speaking courses that he had had in the master's level. I said, well, that's good, Chris. What, you, what can I do for you? He said, well, I just called to tell you. I was sitting here preparing my Sunday sermon, and I realized I don't ever use any of that. I, don't, I never use any of that that they taught me at the seminary. All I ever used to prepare my sermons is what you taught me in your office. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's what it should be. The local church should be the sending place and the, and the teaching place. It's an exemplary school. Amen. 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 That's good, wasn't it? So I never use anything but what you taught me in your office. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. Two verses. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him that fulfilleth all, fulfilleth all in all. Now listen to it. Skip down to chapter 5 and verse 23 there. 5, 23. For the husband is the head, head of the of wife. Okay, read on. I want Miss Anne to hear that. <laughs> Even... <laughs> Even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. <laughs> First Corinthians 1.18, y'all pray for me. First Corinthians 1.18, uh, no, 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 Colossians 1.18. Colossians 1.18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the pre pre Preeminence, sorry. Skip down to verse 24. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh. In my flesh, for his body's sake, which is the church. The church is a champion's body. Not a weakling's body, a champion's body. What does a champion's body look like? It's a machine, isn't it? It's a machine, a champion's body's a machine. Not some pudgy little soft thing. 
I didn't mean to look right over there at you, Casey. I, I, was, just, I was just thinking. I just... No, not, not. It's a champion's body. <laughs> We're having fun today, aren't we? The church is a champion's body. You're stronger than you think you are. You're bigger than you think you are. You are the body of the champion of all champions. Glory to God. Acts 13, 1. We're getting through this, y'all. That was number that was number eight. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers. And Barnabas. And Simeon. 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 Yeah. That was called Niger. Yeah. And Lucius of Cyrene. And Manaean, which had been brought up with Herod, the tetrarch, and Saul. That's right. Let's read chapter 14, verse 23. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord who they believed. Acts eleven twenty two. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they had sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. Verse, chapter 15 and 22. Then pleased it the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barnabas, and Silas. Barsabas. I'm sorry, Barsabas, and Silas, chief men among the brethren. All right, number nine, the church is a launching pad for faith rockets. For faith rockets. They send them out, send them out, send them out, send them out, one right after the other. Look, Look like the 4th of July. Rockets going off. Sent this one out, that one out. And who were they sending out? Guys like Barnabas. High-powered, high-powered, full of gunpowder. Paul, they sent out. Barsabas, whole bunch of them they sent out. The faith rockets in this church are going to be sent out. Amen. 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 The church is a launching pad for faith rockets. It's the church's job to send out missionaries, to send out ministries, to help the world come to Christ. It's our job. It's our job. Tell somebody it's our job. It's our job. Ephesians three twenty and 21. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Amen. Look at Hebrews 2 and 12. Hebrews 2:12, Saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church, I will sing praises unto thee. We take these verses and say that the church, number 10, the church is an on-fire choir. The church is an on-fire choir. Amen. We're singing. That's why... <laughs> That's why the church looks different. In the, that's why the choir looks different in this church than does some churches. Amen. We don't have to wear robes. You're the, the whole church is the choir. Amen. An on fire choir. Hallelujah. 
worship him here together and sing praises to his name here together. Sing praises in, his, in our cars, in the shower, at the table. Wherever a song comes up, you just sing it. Amen. And on fire choir. I li- I've heard choirs sing and I've heard on fire choirs. I like the on fire choirs best, don't you? Amen. Acts chapter 12 and verse 5. Casey, read. Acts 12, 5. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And James 5, 14 says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let, him pray, let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The church is a prayer force. I didn't say air force, but it is, a, it is God's air force. The prayer force. Amen. The prayer force. Prayer force. Not begging God to protect us. It's not what an air force does. Air force threatens the enemy. Air force doesn't have to beg Washington. Air force threatens the enemy. Church is a prayer force. I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again because it fits right here. Over a year ago, we had a credible threat on our our campus at CFNI. They told us that there was a credible threat. A young man had come up out of the apartment complex down below us, went to our uh, security service and said, they're they're plotting to attack the school, the gang is. The gang is going to attack the school and do some desperate violence to you. And with guns and knives and everything. They were just going to attack us. Called the police out there and interrogated the young man. The police told us this is a credible threat. You have to be really careful, be on your toes, watch and pray. Be careful, they said. Just be careful. Report anything that looks suspicious. So I told my staff to pray, and uh, we had a prayer meeting that afternoon, in fact. I did not lead every prayer meeting, and I did not lead that one. Had another guy who led this prayer meeting, and he led them pray. Different ones of my staff, and I got a large staff down there, a large teaching corps, people over many departments. I'm what they call a division director for CFNI. Now I'm over the largest division, which is the Institute. 75% of our income comes in through the Institute. <coughs> and uh, my Institute staff was there, and they were all praying. And after they got done praying, I was so disappointed with them. They were begging and pleading, and fear was thick in the room. Fear was ever, everywhere in the room. They were begging God to do something, pleading with God to do something. Just begging God to, to turn, turn this thing. I was so disappointed with that kind of praying. I hate that kind of praying. I didn't, you didn't know I hate that kind of thing. And the leader, after it was over, he said, Dr. Holler, you have anything to add? I said, now that you mentioned it, I do. I said, let me just say this first of all. I don't have to beg my father to protect me. 
That is his job. Yep. Amen. They, all, they all look down like little sheep. It got quiet in that room. Bad. They knew right then that, that Holler thought they had been bad. They had been. Fear had taken over. Prayers prayed in fear do nothing. Only prayers of faith change things. These are all wonderful and good people. Don't, don't misunderstand. They're all great, great people. But the terror of the moment is just the terrorizing of the devil. That's what he does to try to get you afraid. I said, I do not have to beg my father, father to protect me. You cannot find in the Bible, in the New Testament, one prayer where they prayed for protection. Not even one time. Not even one time. Why? Because I knew it was God's responsibility to protect us. All you have to do is ask God, show me what to do. Give me an answer for this. You tell me what to do and I'll be obedient. You don't have to beg Him to forgive you. All you have to do is obey Him when He speaks to you. That's the, that's the thing. He'll give you an answer. About a week later, two weeks later, I don't know, just a few days went by. And I was driving across a campus in my car. And I saw a guy walking from that, from that apartment complex up past my building. Little gangbanger. He was obviously one of them. But he's got his girlfriend with him and a little baby in a, in a push cart. Walking along there in the middle of the, of the day, you know, like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. My redneck self, I thought, Little punk, what are you doing out in the middle of the day? Why don't you go get, go get a job? How many of you know what I'm talking about? You think it's the same thing? Charles was the first to raise his hand and knew it would be. Why don't you go get a job, you little punk? That's what I thought. I'm sorry, that I'm just being honest with you. That's what I thought. But the Holy Ghost lives in this heart. Not always in this head, but he's in this heart. He had, so, he had an opinion about the guy, too. He said, to, he said to me, give him some money. I said, you, you just heard my thoughts, didn't you? <laughs> I, that wasn't what I was thinking. I was thinking, yelling at him, tell him to go get a job and a haircut or something. <laughs> and I thought, oh, God, oh, no. Lord, you know what I have in my pocket. You know how much money I have. You know what I had? I had two $100 bills. I said, now, Father, you told me to give him some money. My options are kind of limited. That means I got to give this punk $100 or $200. Which is it? He said, give him some money. Same answer. So I pulled out $100. Won't you know? $100 bill. Stuck it in my pocket. Parked my car, and by the time I parked my car, he'd already moved on down the street a little ways. I'd, I'd gone into that parking lot behind him. I got out of my car and I yelled at him, Hey, 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 hey! Hey, just a minute. He stopped and turned around and looked at me like he was going to shoot me. You know, I mean, he, what do you think of a white guy wearing boots? He's a redneck. He wasn't far from wrong. He stood there and glared at me. His little girlfriend got behind him. 
stood there glaring at me. I walked up to him, I reached in my pocket, got that $100 bill out. I said, I don't know you from anybody, but I know one thing for sure. God has you on his mind. Jesus loves you, boy. He told me to give you this. He said, why? I said, I don't know. He loves you. He told me to give you that. His eyes softened. His face softened. He looked at me and he said, he said, I'm Jamal. Introduced, me, introduced his girlfriend to me and his wife, his baby. I said, God bless you guys. He said, sir, can I have a hug? Could I hug you? That's what he said. He said, could I hug you? I said, sure. And we hugged and embraced, stood there for a little bit. No white redneck, little black gangbanger, standing there in the street, loving each other, consummating her. Consummating a, a moment in God. Just hugged each other. Stood there for a little while. I said, you go in peace, son. He said, thank you, sir. So kind. His whole attitude had changed. They walked away. I walked back to my, toward my car. And on the way back to my car, God said something to me. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> thank God he didn't say that. <laughs> she said, he said, give, you the, give him the other hundred. And I said, no, he didn't say that. <laughs> he said, you just dealt with that credible threat. You just dealt with that threat. I said, I wasn't even thinking about that. He said, I know, but I was. Yeah. I wasn't even thinking about that, Lord. I'm just obeying you. He said, I know. But I was thinking about your threat. You just dealt with it. You know what? It's been over a year now. Had nothing happened. Nothing happened. It went away. You don't have to beg God to protect you. You just have to obey Him when He speaks to you. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Got to high five somebody for that one. That was good. <laughs> amen. Well, what time is it? Let's do a little bit more. Mark 16 and 18. Mark 16 and 18. I'm not going to keep you all day, I promise. What's the matter? Mark 16, 18. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Is that not it? Matthew 16, 18. I'm sorry, my fault. Matthew 16, 18. You got it now? Read it again, Casey. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church is a hell-punishing army. Amen. The gates of hell shall not prevail, it says. Are gates offensive or defensive? Hell is on the defense. Hell is not on the offense. The church is on the offense. Hell is on the defense. You are on the offense. Glory to God. The church is a hell-punishing army. Glory to God. Acts 14, 27. And when they were come, 
and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there, and there they abode a long time with the disciples. Okay, number 13, the church is a home base for warriors. Amen. Amen. Home base for warriors. When warriors show up, the church receives them. And they stay, they stay with us from time to time. We have a warrior out there on the field named Curtis Coker. He comes back here periodically once or twice a year. He'll be here next month, by the way. Yeah, amen. He'll be speaking two or three times while he's here. He's one of our warriors that's out there. It's the church's job to have warriors out on the front lines. Amen. That's good, isn't it? Acts 15.3, Casey. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed... By the, by the what? The church. Brought on their way by the what? Church. The church the brought church. them on their way. How did it do that? Read on. They passed through Phoenix. Phoenix. <laughs> Phoenix and Samaria, declaring the conversation of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. The conversion of the Gentiles caused great joy unto all the brethren. Philippians 4.15. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving. So what these two verses tell us about the church is, number 14, the church is a financier of the gospel. The church is a financier of the gospel. The bank isn't going to do this. The school isn't going to do this. The hospital is not going to do this. The church does this. Financier of the gospel. This is why we must receive offerings when we come to church. Come to church, one of the things we do is receive, receive offerings because it's the church's job as a financier of the gospel. You understand this? You understand this? Okay, I didn't need to teach on tithing, I guess. I will, eventually. Acts 15.4, read that one. This one is very similar to the other one. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. The church is a reception center for the, for the, for the gospel. It's a welcome center for, for warriors. Okay, the reception center. They receive them. Amen. Romans 16 and 1, read that. You're going to like this one, girls. Romans 16, 1. I commend, I commend unto you. Phoebe. Phoebe, our sister, which is the servant of the church. Sincrea. Which is that, Sincrea? Sincrea, I'm just helping you. Yes, sir. I have an education. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's so good natured. 1 Corinthians 16 and 19, Casey Reed. The churches of Asia salute you, Aquila and Priscilla, salute you much in the Lord, which the church is, which the church that is in their house. Okay. Now what we found out here, we have a church in Phoebe's house, we have a church in Priscilla's house. 
the church is an equal opportunity employer. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Women can be in ministry. Yeah. I don't care how many line up and say they can't. Yeah. Right. Women were in ministry in the Bible. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm right. And I have a microphone. The church is an equal opportunity employer. God is not a prejudice against women in the ministry. This church has a female pastor. She's awesome. I like her a lot. That's why I come here. Amen. They like you too, don't they? I love you, sweetheart. The church has lost a lot of its strength through the years but not employing women's ministries. It's a sad thing. I am thoroughly convinced, I know for sure Paul did not write Hebrews. I know Barnabas did not write it. I know Timothy did not write it. I know Apollos did not write it. I can't find any of these guys that wrote it. But I thought, who knew Paul's doctrine better than anybody? And who had a reason not to put their name on the document? Priscilla. Priscilla. It's the best. And, the, and recently uh, they've developed a uh, computer program and, it, and applied it to the New Testament le letters to see if they're authentic, you know. They said that it's obvious that Hebrews were written with a female hand. Hebrews is feminine. Writing, I could have told him that all I had to ask, ask the doc. I would have told him. <laughs> it's Priscilla. That's my opinion. I'm not. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm 99.9% .9 sure. Read Romans 16, verse 5. Romans 16:5. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my well-beloved Epinatus. Epinatus. <laughs> Who is the ch who is the first fruits of Achaia, Achaia, Achaia yeah. close, unto Christ? Good. Colossians four, fifteen. <laughs> Salute the brethren which are in look. Thank you, Lacedia and Nymphus, and the church which is in his house. And to our beloved Apphia, read on. Oh, Philemon 1, 2, I'm sorry. And to our beloved Aphia and Archippus, <laughs> our, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house. All right. Notice that all these churches were in somebody's house. All these churches were in somebody's house. That means the church is a neighborhood watch program. Right. Neighborhood watch program. Yeah. I got wind of this. This movie, I never saw it until this night before last. Miss Ann showed me the movie War Room. Awesome. Have you seen it? It's, the best of it's an amazing movie. Who's not seen War Room? You've got to get that movie and see it. War Room. It's on Netflix now, isn't it? I think so. Amazing movie. It's about a prayer warrior, a woman, an old woman. God bless her. It's a true story, they say. Praise him up. She prays. Yeah. 
You're going to make me cry now, girl. This is awesome. It's like a neighborhood watch program. That's what the church is. 1 Corinthians 6, 1. I'm almost done. 18. Jesus. Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Verse 2. Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? The saints are going to judge the world. And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Wow. Listen to this. Know ye not that you that we shall judge angels? We're going to judge the world and angels. Wow. That's going to help me a lot. I've, I've had some trouble. I'm going to talk to my angel about that. Yep. Why did you let that happen? You get a B, C. You don't get an A for that event. You didn't get there fast enough. Sometimes. Read on. How much more things that pertain to this life? Where are you? Verse 4. 1 Corinthians 6, 4. Yeah, read on. If then, the, if then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. Wow, verse 5. I speak to your shame. Is it so that there is not wise men among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between the, his brethren. Are you kidding me? He's saying can't find one person that can judge between the brethren without sending them down to the courthouse. 1 Corinthians 14:23. read that. If therefore the whole church be come together into one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that you are mad? He's not saying if everybody speaks in tongues at once. He's saying if everybody takes turns speaking in tongues. But if all prophesy and there, and there come in one that believeth not or one unlearned, he is convinced of all. He, he is, is judged, judged of, of all. all. Read verse 20, 25. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of truth. So, so number 18 is the church is a courthouse. What's so funny? She's reading it to me and it's echo. Oh, the church is a courthouse. Decisions are made at the church. The church is a kind of courthouse. We should be and keep the body of Christ out of the courthouse downtown. Somebody say amen. amen. Our final one is one I really like. Number 19. Hebrews 12, 23. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn. That's what we've come to. The which, church of the firstborn. Which are written in heaven. Written where? Written in heaven. There's a book about you in heaven. Amen. Amen. And to God. And to God the judge of all. And to the spirits of just men made perfect. Justified men made perfect. Number 19. The church is a biography. Written by God. Amen. Biography. Written by God. Amen. The church is a biography. Written by God. You bow your heads with me. I want to pray through these things this morning. Father dear, I thank you for your kindness and grace to us. I thank you, Lord, 
that we are favored members of your royal family. I thank you, Lord, that this delicate, high-maintenance baby is a church. It's still your church. I thank you, Father, that we are a construction project under construction right now. Thank you, Father, that we are a high-priced restaurant that we're bought with the blood of, blood of your own son. This is a gift shop, a high-yield investment. This church is an exemplary school People are taught and trained. This church is a champion's body. Amen. Glory to God. This church is also a launching pad for faith rockets. Thank you, Father dear, that you make us an on-fire choir. With your spirit in us, we're on fire for you to worship you. For you, you're worthy of being worshipped. Thank you that we are a prayer force, like the Air Force, with, with real, real power. Thank you that the church is a hell-punishing army. Make us more like that. Make us aware of the, of the war every day. And that we are on the offense, the, the devil is on the defense. Thank you, Father, for this being a home base for warriors. And a reception center for those who need you. Need rest. Thank you, Father, that the church is a financier of the gospel. That you honored, honored us with this wonderful responsibility. Thank you that you make us equal opportunity employers, that women, women and every person of every, every color and every race and every creed can be comfortable, be used of you in the church. Thank you that the church is a neighborhood watch program, that we care about our neighbors and pray for one another, one another. Thank you that the church is a courthouse with judgments to be made. And thank you that you wrote about us in heaven. In Jesus' name. I praise you, Father, for these truths today. Help us to live in accordance with them. To be all we can be and all we should be every day. In Jesus' name. Now with your heads bowed, I want to ask you. I want to ask you, if you're here for the first time or you're here for the tenth time, and you say in your heart, I don't really know who Jesus is. I'm really not saved. I don't know if I'm saved. The gospel is Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried and he rose again the third day just like the Bible says. If you will believe this gospel, that Christ died for you, he was buried and rose again, the Bible says you will become a brand new creature. You'll be made new all over again. This is how this church grows, by us talking to the people about how to be saved. Nothing you can do will ever make you lose your salvation because Jesus is alive, glory to God. He's not gonna let you, let you fall out, let you lose that with God. Nothing you can do can ever get you saved except believing on Jesus.